Welcome to another episode of The Amateur Experts. Joining us today is a fantastic guest. We've got the one and only Barry the Pilot, which I like to call Barry the Apple Pilot, or just the Apple Pilot. And we'll put uh, we'll put Instagram shots uh, overlaying this so we know what we're talking about. Welcome to the show, sir. Well, thanks so much. I'm glad to be here. You betcha. So let's let's talk about airplanes. I'm so excited to talk about airplanes because that's what I love to talk about. How did you get started flying airplanes? I mean, where where did the everybody that I know that flies got the bug bite at some point? When was that for you? Yeah, it was uh well, way back. I mean, this was yeah. I I've had it's been it's a longer story to it, but I started when I was in my 20s, mm-hmm. I've always, as a kid, whenever, I don't remember the date, but it's just one of those things, If I, still today, if you're, you're standing there talking and you look out at the run, and a plane revs up and starts running down the runway, you just kind of stop right in mid-sentence and watch it, and then you pick right back up in mid-sentence. Yeah. And I've had that as far as I, back as I can remember. Yeah. Started taking flying lessons when I was a kid in uh, Amarillo, Texas, and I was 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, had a, I, I, I'm not here to disparage people. This guy was the worst instructor. He was an instructor. He was just there for hours. Sure. I realized, now I realized what was going on before. He had absolutely no interest in me. Yeah. Zero. And he also made me, uh, the, the, the plane had a, uh, had a castoring nose wheel. Mm-hmm. And he gave me like three seconds of lesson. And then, made me taxi it and he would not let me use the brakes. And I taxied literally all over Trade Winds Airport. All over. I was I mean, I was in the grass on one side, I went to the grass on the other side. I was everywhere. And I was just like, you know, this is this is kind of not fun. Yeah. And he was very little help and you know, he really wasn't even interested in being there with Sure. How uh, old, how old was he? He was pretty oh, young he just was, looking to He was a uh no, he was a uh and I, I don't want to, uh, but he, he was a, he got, I believe he had gotten out of Vietnam. He had been a, a, a pilot okay. in Vietnam gotcha. and he was trying to build some hours. He had to get certain hours in order to get to an airline. Right. Is, and that's literally all he was there for. Yeah. And it, it just, it, it kind of turned me off a little bit just to him. And then life took over and I just didn't get back to it. And then, uh, in, uh, like 98, yeah, somewhere like that. I had a wife, I had kids, and all this stuff. And uh, I don't know why, but I saw this thing from uh, the university, and this guy was teaching a. It was a ground school course, but kind of weirdly, I was in, I was more interested. I saw navigation. Yeah, I had a sailboat. My brother and I sailed a whole bunch, and I knew from having talked to other people because I, you know, anytime you wanted to talk to anybody that was anywhere near aviation, I'd kind of, hey, that's kind of cool, you know, just like people do. Sure. And uh, but I. Uh, I got to that point. I got, uh, I, I, I read that thing. I was like, navigation, I could sure use that on the sailboat. Let me just, and, and so I went and took the course. It was up at um, University of North Texas. Yeah, okay. Me. And uh, we went there and, you know, long story short, I struck up a, a friendship that I have to right now. I can call mm. the guy right now and he's a, he's a fantastic guy. The guy had, he has like 57,000 hours now. Yeah. He was a retiree. 
not retired because Braniff went out of business, but he wrote the whole problems with Braniff all the way to the end. Like 30 years he had been with Braniff. Wow. And he loves to fly. And he has this passion to teach other people and bring other people into aviation. Yeah. And that was what made that was so lucky on me. Did to, you uh, to to get started? Yeah. Did you ever instruct at any point? Did you? Yes, I have. Okay. Um, I've got a uh, I've got a CFI. I've got a double I. Uh, I'm a commercial commercial. I have a commercial certificate and a multi engine and single engine. And then I have for single engine, I have an, an instructor rating. Wow. And, yeah. How many how many hours do you have? Me like five. I want to say it's like five thousand five hundred. I've been God. needing to catch up my book, but I hadn't done it in a couple of months. But it's like five thousand five hundred. Wow. But but let me let me just disabuse you of something. Sure. In the real world of the people that I deal in, mm-hmm. I'm still a kid. Yeah. In a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, it's it, I got more. I have more than a lot of the people that I deal with on a daily basis. But uh, I still feel like a kid. Like I say. The guy that taught me how to fly had 57,000 hours. The, uh, there's a guy that I've, uh, I'm pretty good friends with. He helps me out in our job. Uh, he's, he's a sounding board. He's a 777 captain. He, uh, <laughs> he started uh, in high school. His dad owned an airlines. Yeah. Yeah, think about that for a minute. He owned an airlines. It was an airline. He, he owned airplanes and uh, contracted um, – who did these like Pakistan Airways? Yeah, he provided all the airplanes, okay, to them, and pilots and and all of that, and they ran the business side and leased his service to do that. It was the way I understood it. Sure, but this guy's job after high school and throughout college in the summer mm-hmm. was flying right seat in a seven oh seven for his dad all over the world. Okay. <laughs> So I'm still kind of a piker. I've, yeah. got, I've got a couple of hours, but you know, when you look at the real scheme of things, oh man, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. And and those kind of guys, both of those two guys I'm referring to, I like to just stand next to them because even if they don't open their mouth, knowledge just kind of just kind of out. falls off. Yeah. yeah, falls off of them. I try to catch a little bit of it. Wow, you know, yeah, they're pretty amazing. So starting off, like you know, you get your license and it's coming from boating to to this, and it just kind of happens. You, you got interested in flying and you enjoyed it. Did it ever change when it kind of became for work? Like, I, I just hear a lot of guys say, man, flying is awesome until it became a job. And I was like, oh, and they're kind of, you know, now it's just this thing that we have to do. And say, well, because I've, I've talked to, to, you know, Delta pilots or whatever. It's like, so do you have your own, you know, smaller GA aircraft or anything like that? He goes, any chance I can get away from flying, I take it, you know. Is, did that ever happen to you at some point? Not yet. Really? Yeah, it's been two thousand. See, I, I had a, a ground-based job. Did something totally different mm-hmm. when I took that class from him, and all the way through, it took me like three years to get a pilot's to get a private pilot's license because yeah. know, I, I would save a little money. I mean, I had two little kids and a wife with a a huge sense of humor. She married me, and, you know, <laughs> and but she said. Uh, um, you know, I, I, one day I, I met this guy, I went to the class. It was, you know, it wasn't that much money. I was doing pretty well. And, but then he did the class because he taught and it was kind of a revenue stream, but he'd do the class and then people would contact him to go fly. Right. Gotcha. And so a couple months after the class, I, uh, I called him up and said, you know, we started taking lessons and 
I would go when I had money and I wouldn't, and I finally, I set up a check and I talked to my wife. I said, do you think I could like, I don't really want to kind of do this. All right. Well, when we have a little extra money, we'll stick. So I had a separate checking account and I, I just was thinking about it the other day. I had checks, name, address, and all this stuff. But underneath my name said flying fund. That's all that money was in there. Sometimes it had three bucks in it. Yeah. But, Anytime I had, I worked in a sales job, so if I got a pretty good commission check, I'd slice a little bit, and whatever she was happy with, I'd slice over and kick over into that. Sure. And then when I, you know, I had enough for lessons, I'd go take some lessons from him, and we, we went along, and that's that was the great thing about it. He was just, it was pay as you go, and you know, you you can stop. I stopped for six months at a time, several times. Wow. Where, I, you know, life gets in the way. I was, you know, I had plenty of money, but I was really stinking busy. Sure. What are you going to do? So, you know, I had little kids and, you know, vacations. You had to take vacations with them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it was just, you know, we just kind of made adjustments and rolled with it. And you go back and you pick it up in a, in a couple of, you know, There's one like flight. Right. Muscle memory. Yeah. Muscle memory comes yeah. back very quickly. Yeah. So that was that. And then uh, fast forward on, I got that license. <laughs> My wife, who has a huge sense of humor, has no sense of humor about flying. She does not like flying. Really? At oh, yeah. all? At, yeah. She get she would get on an airliner at gunpoint to go visit her dad in Florida. But wow. that's pretty much she she does she she has a problem with uh with motion, you know, motion sickness sure. and stuff. So yeah. it just it's not a comfortable thing for her and I've given up pushing the the idea. <laughs> but she still she lets me do it, so that's great. Right. And uh but we continued on and uh I just got, I go and back and fly with my instructor more and more. Yeah. And because I loved flying and, you know, it, it, it's, it's, for me, it was kind of boring to just get up there and, well, where am I going to go today kind of thing. So I take a lesson. Yeah. And so that's how I wound up with, a, you know, a commercial, uh, my, my instrument, my commercial was just going back because I wanted to fly. Yeah. You know, it was, I say it's kind of like crack, you know, you take a list, certain people. Yeah. And it's certain people, you know, they, they fall off the deep end where other people, not yeah and with with me it was man i was i was fairly heavy into it yeah and i i'd go when i could you know and and get around other things in life and then uh all of a sudden my business life wasn't on i I was not happy with where i was in business i'd gotten where i the farthest i could go and the the position i was in and Mm -hmm. the whole business had changed quite a bit just not not to get into all that but sure um, sure 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 I was, she could tell I was really unhappy. I was, I just was not happy. And she kept asking me about it and we're talking. And she finally, one day, she, I don't know what we were talking about. And she'll probably argue these, these details. <laughs> but what I remember her saying was, well, you've got all these flying certificates. Is there any way you could make money with that? And by golly, I didn't let her, I didn't let her sober up. I just quit. <laughs> no, actually we start, we talked a little bit more and made a plan. And at the, uh, the end of 2012, I left my job, and first of 2013, I was going to be a pilot come hell or high water, yep. and professionally. Wow. Uh, I kind of wanted to do it like my instructor had. He he always, uh, through the ups and downs in the airline industry, he always instructed, and he had told me that. He always instructed, and that always paid his bills. That, I was about know. to ask if you yeah. if you kept that on the side or if it and was. I, well, I, I did it. I, I, I jumped in with both feet and uh, got a uh, – um, I needed a CFI. I had a double I. I, went, I got my double I first, and then I, got, I needed a CFI to really kind of put it together. So I called yeah. him up and told him what my plan was, and he was like, really? 
Well, I'm looking to kind of retire out of this, but you, you want to buy this airplane? Sure. Okay. I'll buy me an airplane. That sounds cool. What kind of plane was it? Uh, it was just a Cherokee 140. Okay. And uh, for instruction, yeah. it was the plane I had learned most of my stuff in. And uh, so we did that, and uh, I just took a while. I, I got my, my CFI, and then I, I went around. I went around and stuck little deals with the little tear-off pieces with yep. your phone number. Mm -hmm. And there's this, if anybody else ever has to start, and I can't think of the name of the little, all the, of all the places I put, everybody that came to me and was a student, they came from that little restaurant. And I don't, I, I guess everybody else took it there. down. It yeah. was a little restaurant in Denton. I could yeah. drive very straight to it, but I can't recall the name of it right now. Yeah. Uh, but I had just walked in and I <laughs> stuck that thing on the, on the billboard they had and I left and all of a sudden I started getting phone calls and I, I had a pretty good thing going and, uh, but man, I, I don't have the intestinal fortitude to be an air, an airplane owner. I, I don't have a huge son. I mean, when I did this, we bailed off. I didn't have a retirement to, you know, to staple me along. I just left. Right. And I had to make money. Yeah. I had a little saved up and I had to make money. So this was a business job for me. And man, at the end of a hundred hours of flying an instruction an instructing airplane, uh, and you've got to go do a hundred hour on it, and you don't know if that hundred hour is going to be eight hundred dollars or it's going to be eight thousand dollars. I kind of don't have the intestinal fortitude for that, sure. and it yeah, that started wearing on me a little bit. Uh, coming around, I I got another job. I found a job uh, flying. <laughs> Traffic reporters over Dallas. I found a thing on the internet. I called the guy up and started doing that. I did that from time to time. But through there, I heard about the company that I work for now. Yeah. And uh, I found out that uh, how they delivered the airplanes that they sold. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the job for me, baby. <laughs> and so I, I just went down and I, I, I literally, I found out from the guy, made a phone call. To a, to the, a guy who had gotten on there from what we were doing, and I was like, "Hey, dude, how you, how'd you do this?" And he he gave me the guy the chief pilot's name, and I mean, literally that night, sat down, typed it up. I knew where they were at Arlington. I just didn't know how they operated. Yeah. So I just went home literally and had to look up how to type up a, a pilot's resume. And, oh, I got to get my numbers. I got I got all that stuff. Put the resume together, printed them out, and walked up on the ramp, and. The guy whose name's on top of the checks happened to be walking across the ramp. Can I help you? I said, yeah, I'm looking for this guy, the cheap pilot. Oh, he's right, very nice guy. Oh, he's right around the corner over here going to this hangar. Yeah. Went in there, talked to him, and I started flying for him. Wow. And, you know, I he had a bunch of younger guys, and I came there with a bunch of round gauge. I, don't, I didn't have glass experience at all right. at that point. That was a little bit of a stumbling block at the start. They were a little hesitant. And I used to just, I'd go down there and I'd get a GPU and I'd plug it into an airplane and I'd play with it Yeah. until I was, and then we went out and flew for a little bit. He's like, yeah, you're fine. Let's go. Yeah. So then I started, <laughs> and I, I struggled to get the glass stuff down. Six months into this job, I don't think I flew two glass airplanes. I was always the guy that they sent for the round they gauges because nobody else could fly <laughs> the round gauges. Right. So right. that's how that, that worked out. And. Then I just kind of hung on and I started looking for other jobs and thinking, well, you know what, what I like. And I just can't find anything that I, I always thought, man, I'm going to be real depressed if I leave this thing. It just was a cool gig. Yeah. And I fly pretty much every day. Yeah. Like to, to put it simply, you asked how many hours I had. I had about, with my instructing and stuff, uh, that had gotten me to somewhere right around a thousand hours. Okay. But then 
that's 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 all I had. I've gotten four thousand something hours with these people in the last uh, eight years. Wow! So that's something like that. Yeah. Sure. And so yeah, I just it it's just cool, and we fly all the time. I literally go in every day. I'm still. Um, I've worked my way into a position where I'm the, I manage the the other pilots. Sure, and you have but, how, how many? How many oh, other pilots? Um, it's kind of a fluid thing because we're all contractors. Yeah, just real quick, but right. they uh, uh, so you know we've got guys that are doing other things, and you know we have a schedule, and they tell me when they're not available because they're doing something else or you know whatever, right. and if they're not unavailable. We take them and we send them. So, you know, it kind of rolls. But yeah. on the entire roster, I think there's like 23, okay. something like that. I'm looking for a few more at the moment yeah. uh, trying you, to build up. You're heading all that up. I'm not the um, – <laughs> just to, to be – I, I manage – I'm the executive officer of pilots, okay? There's another guy that's still the, the chief pilot because if anything happens, I don't want to talk to anybody. Uh, you know, I'm just the guy that hired the pilots and do all that. And yeah. I take care of that portion of the business. And so we, we go on. He's also very, he's more experienced in it. So he's my sounding board. Like I can handle 90% of what's going on. Every once in a while, it's like, I'm a little out of my depth here. So I'll call him. Hey, what do you think? Of, yeah, do this. Okay. Sure. So in summary, you're bringing the planes to these clients that have, that have purchased. Yeah. Me or, yeah, I send people to do, I schedule them to right. do that. Yeah. Right. right. So, you fly those planes down, and then you have to fly the planes back. Yeah. Right? Trade-ins or yeah. what is, is there ever any time where you're like, oh, man, I hope they don't find, or I don't want to fly that one back, or I'm glad we made it there, or whatever? Is there ever? We have, in our standard operating procedures, we have protocols for that. Sure. Specifically, it's like, yeah, re- you do a very, very detailed pre-flight on the airplane. Yeah. You, you just don't know. and. You know, something that you guys didn't think of, for every one of the airplanes that they sell, you got to buy another one for inventory. So yeah. it's, that's the same That's the same scenario. And you're just chugging through. And a lot of times, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where you just, you got to understand, you don't know the pedigree of this airplane. Now, you do know whether it's legal to fly or not. It has a, uh, has an annual, has uh, uh, IFR cert. You know, yeah. uh, pedostatic cert and uh, registration and yeah, all registration, that, so. all that kind of stuff. Actually, the registration becomes the company's because we true. wait till the deal closes and the money okay. passes hands. But w- when you do that, you do a very thorough uh, uh, pre-flight. Now, certain things that to be said about that is one: a lot of times they sold the airplane to these people. The guy flew it for two, three years, and now he wants a different airplane for whatever reason, or he's not going to fly anymore or whatever. Right. So, you know, those airplanes you have a little bit more warm fuzzy about, Yeah. you know, and especially when most of the stuff you see is from our company. Because the, the, the people that we have have been there for like 30-something years looking at exactly the same airplanes, you know, different model number, you know, different model stages, but same plane. They're very good. You can roll up and go, hey, this thing is kind of – doing this and you know before you get the whole sentence out they go yeah that's don't worry we'll take care of that in just a second we just got to make a little adjust and and they take care of it sure you know so that's one way the other ones are every once in a while you get somebody that you know this plane's been sitting in a hangar for forever and uh you know it's got an old shaky hand 
writing annual on it. This, you know, I looked at this airplane and the wing should stay on. <laughs> and, you know, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. And, you know, those you spend a lot of time looking at it. You look back through if there's any, um, you know, specifically in the last couple of years, if there was anything Major. major done to it yeah and we always you got to get all the log books or if they don't you know you, you you talk to it between the people that are buying it for the company and uh you know they, they deal mostly with that so you get a little bit of the pedigree before you get there yeah. and then you didn't make a plan and you take it your you take your sweet time and look at everything and if it doesn't make you comfortable usually it's them they call me and i go well what exactly are you seeing here that's a problem to fly the airplane? I'll tell you a quick story. I I got a call. I, I went down to pick a guy up who delivered an airplane. He said, that's the trade-in. And it was kind of what he was talking. It, it was a, a bit of a, it looked, it was a tough airplane. What man. was it? It, it was, was a, a Comanche. Okay. It was a Comanche B. <laughs> right under on the side where it had the Comanche B logo on it, right underneath it said Titleist because it looked, I'm not kidding, there was not six square inches of fuselage that didn't have a major ding in it from hail. I mean major. Oh. It was just, it looked like, it looked a, like a golf it ball. Looked like, it looked like a monkey went to work on it with a ball-peen hammer all oh. over it. And I kind of looked at it, and it was torn apart. I said, man, that's the trade. And I was like, oh. And I get a call later on. He's like, hey, we want you to run down and pick this up. Like, and it was the chief. And I said, well, hey, man, that that thing is a literal POS. I mean, it's just, I, I'm a little concerned about it. And he's like, well, look, Barry, I'm going to need a little bit more detailed in order to go back to the owners and say, you don't want to fly this. You know, go down there and look at it and see what the deal is with the airplane. Yeah. Well, it just so happened, I get there. And it was, it was an older airplane. And. I get there, and the the guy who did had been working on this airplane for like four or five years uh, was there to meet me to give me the keys and all that. He says, uh, "I just kind of say, you know, so what about this airplane?" So, oh, man, until last year, this guy flew this airplane like three hundred hours every year. I said this airplane's a great airplane. So here, take a look. And I got to looking at it, you know, and all I saw was they were doing an annual so. The cowlings were all off and the wires were all hanging down and yeah. they were in doing inspections. And I think he was having to repair some stuff because there were pieces missing. It just didn't present a really good picture at the start. Yeah. But on uh, once I got down there, he got to talking about this airplane. I'm like, yeah. and my old instructor or my, my I don't want to call him an old instructor, but my my original instructor, who's always been my instructor, he uh, he was a big Piper guy. Okay. He he had Cherokee for instruction, and he owned his own Comanche. So I had a bit of time in a Comanche, yeah. which is why I got sent in the first place. But uh, I I looked at it, and I you know once the guy kind of he said, "Well, look at the log," and I looked at the logs. I'm like, "Yeah, he's right. He you know if anything went wrong, he had logbook entries to replace some tires, and he's changing the oil on a regular basis and all this stuff." Yeah. He said, "Oh yeah, the only reason he's getting rid of it is because he." Uh, he had bought it. Well, he bought this other airplane from us because it had a different mission, and this plane wasn't filling that mission. So, I, I can admit that was the nicest airplane to fly really? home. Really? Oh, it oh, was. A, I beat the guy home that I was that that brought me <laughs> down there, and I like he took off ahead of me, and uh, I got off. And I, the only thing I didn't have, I mean, it was it was older, it was round gauge, mm-hmm. and I didn't have any radar, I didn't have any you know traffic or anything like that. So I'm just like, you know, I kept calling him up on the side. Hey, where are you? 
I found out where, you know, how far are you from this whatever waypoint? He'd tell me, and I'm catching you. And then a little bit later, I'd call him again, and I'm closer to you again. You know, I started out five miles behind him, three miles to, and all of a sudden, there he goes. There he went. Yeah, it was a, it was a fast airplane. I don't oh. know if that dimple thing works, but <laughs> yeah. it it uh, it was a fast yeah. airplane. And I I came to the realization in in airplane sales that there is an airplane for everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay, because like two three months later, I get a call. Hey, we want you to take this plane up to Oklahoma. There's a couple guys going to buy it. Same airplane. So I'm like, okay. So I get in it by this time i was you know i was oh okay i'll take it up there it'll be yeah so i I take it up and i go up there and there are these you know two old boys from oklahoma just i think one of them had bib overalls on and they come out there and they were pleased as punch they were so excited about this oh they were so excited to get this airplane yeah and uh i just i I just i you know i'm representing uh my employer my the people who are paying me so i was like you know yeah it'd be great you know he said yeah it's a little rough looking on the outside. A little rough. Looking. <laughs> he says it's a little rough looking on the outside. He said, but shoot, looks nice on the inside. I just want to get there. Yeah, like, there you go. That's your airplane. And that's it. And he was very proud of it. I would never say another word bad about it. But yeah, sure. it, my my estimations on it came way way up. Funny thing, the other day I was taxiing. I was over at another airport close to our home airport, and we were taxiing in. And we were taxiing uh, past a another mechanic shop. I looked over and I went, "Hey." That's the air- I know it that airplane. Yeah. I said, if you go over and look at that airplane, it is beat all over the place. But that's a cool air. That's a great yeah. airplane. Yeah, and it still looked the same. No repairs. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. It's, man, it, it would have cost. God only knows how long. I mean, literally, it was beat every square every inch. inch of it. Come to find out, somebody told me a story about. It. All that hell had happened in France. That plane had been all over the world. I was about to ask: Was there an event that they were able to say? Oh yeah, we I think flew it happened. Hail, I it think was... it happened on several occasions. It just had really bad luck. Oh, it, was, it was kind of a hail magnet. Yeah. And uh, just that's how it. That's I mean it's but it just you know they they kept it the 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 parts that were important the engine all the avionics mm-hmm. they worked fine and the airframe stayed you know certified and yeah yeah I, hell I don't. Not being a mechanic, I don't know the ins and outs of that portion of it, but yeah. most of the time they just repel. I know replacing the skin on like a 182 is like, it used to be 40 grand. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And there's two ways to get hell. You can fly through it, but when you fly through it, you only get it on the leading edges of everything. Right. And leading edges get all dinged in. That's true. Uh, if it's sitting around, then, then it gets it. And I've found hell like on, on one elevator. Because that was it was under a T hanger or a shade hanger out it's in Arizona, that and that just yeah, and the way the wind was blowing just got yeah. it there. So you got to look all over the place. Man, Boy. was there ever a flight when you got home after bringing back a trade in and you went, oh, I made it back. Thank goodness. No, um, not a sigh of relief like I like I you know like, really like I cheated death. Yeah. Um, there were <laughs> there have been some airplanes. I picked up an Aero Commander in pittsburgh area and came home by way of south carolina so anybody who's not geography and impaired would know i kind of went the long way around because weather was moving through the central u.s okay i I was stuck there for like two days because there was all kinds of weather and uh finally got the airplane and I, I can get out in this it was it was marginal but i could get to like 2500 foot agl i'm pretty comfortable at that altitude flying i can as long as i can see and i just keep track of my 
uh, flight and, you know, what the minimum safe altitudes are, where I, you know, anything high, I make sure I know where it, and I, and I just do that. Sure. Problem with this airplane was the deal had gone, I, I didn't meet anybody. It was just like, yeah, there's your airplane, go. Well, there were no databases in the Garmin, uh, the GNS 430, the big card that's on the side had been pulled out. So you got absolutely no, there was no way to find where you were going in this area. I mean, I could fly from VOR to VOR, but, yeah. uh, so I had to use my iPad. Yeah. And so my day consisted of how long my iPad lasted. <laughs> you know, I had one, at the time I had one battery to, to, portable, you know, a portable, portable battery. battery at the time. And I, so I, I started South, I went to Spartanburg, South Carolina. And spent the night there, and then the weather closed in there, so I was stuck there for a little while. I finally figured out how to get out of there, and I, I headed over, and then I wound up in, uh, I wish I could think of the town, because it was a cool place, and the people were super nice. It was over in, uh, right on the edge of Mississippi, and uh, <laughs> I got there, and the weather just shut down. There was just a line right there between me and, and Texas. Yeah. And I just couldn't go. I was stuck there for three days. I'd go to the airport, Ugh. sit around, looking, trying to figure out how to get out. Wasn't happening. Yeah. Go back to it, find another hotel, go back, stay at the hotel. By the end of it, I was like best buddies with the, the airport <laughs> manager, the guy that kind of cleaned things up. <laughs> Everybody's, oh, you're back again. Yeah, yeah. Gonna, here I'm I am waiting again. on weather. Yeah. But I, I got the airplane back. There were some things that, you know, once I got a, a couple of times, like you notice them on the first leg, you go, hmm, that's kind of interesting. But then the second leg and the third, you're like, well, it's not doing anything else, and the oil staying in the airplane. It's not like blowing oil out or anything like that. It handled fine. It's just I, I told the boss, I am not going within three miles of a cloud, you know, in this airplane. That's just I'm stuck, yeah. and that's there's no way I'm flying this airplane. You know, it's just VFR only, and mm -hmm. that's it. And navigation was a little was interesting because you know, I had an iPad. Once in a while, I'd use the VORs on it, but I don't think they were working well either. Yeah. I don't remember now, but. I know it was eight solid days before I, he kind of went, oh, well, there you got a record there. I don't think it's ever taken us eight days to get here from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, dude. <laughs> what are you going to do? There's the airplane. You tell me. <laughs> you are welcome to take it yeah. and show me tell how me you'd a, have done it. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a better way. Yeah. Yeah. Man, um, this is an interesting question or a different way of looking at things. You fly the airplanes, right? And, yeah. And you get them where they need to go. You get them back and all that. You're not selling airplanes. You're not. You're not doing all no. that. No. But at the same time, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you sell airplanes every single day because these guys, when they drop them off, they go, "Oh wow, hey Barry, how, how how do you how do you do this? Oh, you just do this. Okay, well, how does it? And we're checking up and da, 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 and you've got you build these relationships with these guys, and. And if that's not sales, I don't know what sales is, right? So no, you're not knocking on doors and trying to sell airplanes. But do you do you like that customer interaction side of things? Is it is it? I mean, obviously, I think you'd prefer to fly airplanes than do anything else in the world. But do you enjoy that? No, you don't sell airplanes, but you're in that world. Like, is that is that enjoyable to you, or is it like, man, if I if I don't have to talk to anybody, that'd be most ideal. I just want to fly my airplane, you know? No, I I, I like people and. Yeah. The job that I left, I was in sales. I did sales for like twenty five something years. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm used to sales. Mm -hmm. I don't like the downsides of sales. Loopy customers that have all kinds of stupid demands. Um, you know stuff like that. it's just it's part of the business. But no, I like the part. And see, the difference is with an airplane. When you show up with the airplane, 
you are immediately that guy's best friend. Yeah. I mean, you're bringing a guy on an airplane. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that, that's, you are their best friend. Uh, so you have a leg up to start with, more so than the salesman who's the guy who has to deliver the, the news that, well, this is how much it costs. That All that's behind you. Right. I'm just showing it's my job to not screw anything up. Um, yeah. And it's it's fairly simple. You know, you just, yeah, here's the airplane. And they, they'll have questions. How do you do this? How do you do that? And there's always, a you know, it's it's a broad range of people who are buying them. You know, some who have never seen a glass panel and some who this is their third. Yeah. You know, uh, so you just kind of walk them through that and do whatever needs to be done to not, uh, we don't ever, we try not to show, or we don't show the comp- company in a bad light in any mm-hmm. way, but they, they're always bending over backwards to make sure the people are, are very happy with what's going on yeah. and very happy with the airplane. Any little squawks after the pre-buys are generally uh, addressed right away. Yeah. But yeah, here, we'll just send you the parts. You get your guy to fix it and send us a bill and be done and it's done. So, you know, for me, it's, 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 it's a great gig. It's, it's a great sales job. Cause you're, yeah, you're right. You're kind of a salesman, but you, when the, when the tough part of sales, which I've been through yeah. come up, it's like, yeah, go talk to that guy. Right. You're on the you good know? side. Yeah, You need to go talk to that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He'll handle all that for you. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really cool gig on, uh, and don't think it's lost on me. I mean, that, you're not the first, that's not the first time I've thought of this. That's, I know that from the get go haven't done it in the past sure but yeah it's it's super cool to uh to just roll up i literally have been met by everything short of a brass band i mean the entire family lined up in front of the fpo daughters mom wife you know mother father just all everybody in a row waiting oh yeah they brought gifts oh, all man. kinds of things it's, it's crazy wow <laughs> that's that's that was a little out of the norm but yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah there's a guy standing there with two big bags I, it was in wisconsin and i had mentioned i was like look I've got a friend who's from who's originally from Wisconsin. I just all I need from you is to show me where to get some good cheese curds. He showed up with us like a shopping bag full of cheese curds and another shopping bag full of all kinds of local food stuff. Oh you know? man! I'm like, oh, that's great. That's going to cost me thirty bucks to check my bag to get. <laughs> I may have to buy another bag to bring it home. But he was right. a super nice guy, and yeah. uh, you know, we had a good time. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's interesting. But it, yeah, you're you're always very very popular when you show up. Typically, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Any any bad experiences on that? I mean, you say typically always very positive. Have you ever shown up and like a deal just straight up fell through for some oh, reason? Oh, they, yeah. But I I I've not been privy. Usually, you're not privy to it, and it, there are all sorts of reasons. Um, I mean, the ones I'd talk about was I, I had one took the plane. Oh, the guy was very nice. We went and. It was kind of weird. I, I get a call in the next morning. Hey, man, this deal's dead. Just grabbed the plane. Come on. What's going on? Well, the guy got a letter that his he was obviously was fairly high in the company. He could afford this airplane. Well, they had just sold the company. Oh. And he was not, you know, he was just the only reason he was back. There was nothing wrong with the airplane. The only reason he was backing out was because his life had immediately become tenuous, you know, yeah. his financial situation had become somewhat tenuous. Can't so he just plane. bailed on it. Yeah. yeah. They can't buy it. Uh, anything else that happens, I don't really know about it because they're talking. And like I said, that's his problem. You're right. 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 You know, let him handle yeah, that. Yeah. I'm just flying it. Yeah. And, and that's what we try to have all of our guys that we come on. It's like, dude, you got to stay way out of, you know, do not get into it because you can, you wouldn't believe how, um, how skitzy, or for lack of a better word, or how how kind of twitchy a uh, 
a guy that's getting up off of the kind of money that they're spending on an airplane uh, is the first time he's doing it. Yeah. You know, and it just, it's, it can be, it can be so just, you know, take him out, show him the airplane, show him what it is. Any, if he has any issues, call the salesman. Yeah. That's it. Do you have any troubles bouncing back and forth between the glass and the, and the steam? Cause correct me if I'm wrong, the overwhelming majority of purchases you get are all glass and quite a chunk is going to be all the steams coming back. Is that hard for you to jump back and forth? Well, you're right on it, but not quite all the way. Uh, you know, we, we sell glass, we bring glass back in. Uh, the 182S model, which is a very popular model, uh, it's it's round gauge. Uh, the earliest models of the T uh, version were, were round gauge. I, I don't remember all of that's That's salesman stuff, but yeah. uh, the earliest models of the T, right when they when Cessna went back into production. Yeah. They, they ceased production, I believe, on the S models, and they started back on the Ts. Well, when they started back right then, those were all round gauge. Gotcha. Uh, to get back to the original question, it's funny, the guy I just flew up with, he asked me the exact same thing. And I, I don't, um, if you wanted me to launch out of here in, in, you know, low IFR, if I had to go in and shoot an approach, I would be thinking real hard if I had to do it in round gauge because I just yeah. don't have that experience. That proficiency. You know, and I'd have to be, yeah, the proficiency of, uh, you know, and having to handle the airplane Yeah. Uh, in, a, in a situation like that when you're getting close to hard things like the ground. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, I, I probably would defer and just, hey, I'm going tomorrow after all this weather cleans up. Absolutely. In a glass one, you know, I, I would do it. I, I've got no problem with it. Um, I'm a little different from a lot of people. Who seem to think that well, you know, I got this brand new engine and I've got WAS, and I've got you know, it's it's got this fantastic GFC 700 autopilot, man. Well, I've I've gotten this call uh, from other pilots. You know, I just got to run over here, and but they're down there at uh, uh, 305. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I was wondering, you know, it's got the WAS, it's got the. I was like, oh, let me ask you this: What's that WAS going to do for you? whenever the engine quits yeah and you're and you have to take the airplane down to 300 feet above the ground level and then break out and start figuring out where exactly you're going to put this thing in so that you don't perish yeah well the answer is the wasp is going to tell you exactly where you perished <laughs> that's it Okay. So I, I'm more of a I'm more of a I'm more wow. of a 800 foot kind of a guy. You know, yeah. I'll take it down to about 800 foot. I don't. I will. Not, I, I I've done minimums once or twice just because of the situation. I didn't really like the situation. Um, you know, that's one of those pilot things where you you get done. And you're like, I probably. Yeah. yeah. You know, let's don't do that one again. Yeah. You know, yeah, let's yeah. check that box. And yeah, it's pretty wild when you break out. I mean, you've done it a million times under the hood. And you yeah. pull out. And, oh, okay. And you're, you know, the runway's over there, the runway's over there or whatever. But uh, no, I just, you know, I, I, I want to be able to do this for a long time mm -hmm. and I just don't want to be a footnote. So I, I keep it up around 800, but I would, uh, you know, glass stuff. Yes. To answer like, this is a long way around your question, but uh, round gauge stuff. I just, I'll take them places and, you know, on a long trip. Yeah. I might shoot an approach at the end because I've been getting myself back used to the airplane. Yeah. Yeah. I have a per Yeah. I have a personal minimum of, of yeah, about 800. Do I break it? Yeah. I don't really like it. I have a lot of very young pilots that are, uh, 
that I'm working with. And, I, you know, you try to kind of mentor them along. And those are the questions I ask them all the time. It's like, well, you know, you take it down to what? And I'll ask them. I don't tell them my minimum. It's like, what's your minimum? Well, I don't know, about 500. Because well, our actual SOP minimum is 1,000, and it can be waived yeah. depending on how, uh, you know, about their, their experience level. And their experience level is, you know, important. You know, I've got, I have everything from a 300-hour guy to, I've got right now, i got a 10,000-hour, actually, in, uh, yeah, i got a 10,000-hour wow. guy. Why? So, you know, one guy, if, if he's comfortable doing it, and I, I'm, I've never questioned him about it because it just hasn't come up because he hasn't had to do it, but I am willing to bet that the 10,000-hour guy, his personal minimum is about 800 foot. Yeah. Why 800? Why do you choose 800? Oh, I don't know. I, I've, I've done it where <laughs> I had my, I was with an, I was with my instructor getting an IPC and I said, well, let's just go see. And I had the hood on, flew it down to 800, you know, pulled the power, flew down to 800 foot and took the hood off. Now go find some place to land. And where I was, we found a place and put it in. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's an arbitrary thing, but it's, it's something, it seems like, in North Texas, where we are, you get a lot of 800 foot mornings, you know, where you can, uh, you get up and freaking it's 800 foot. I got to get going here. And the weather has gone through. So it's just some residual, you know, whatever from yeah. the rain and, and all that putting moisture in the air. And then you get a hundred miles down the road, it's clearing a million. Yeah. You know, I'll launch out into 800 coming down 800 is not too, you know, you're still, you know, you're still you've still got some room yeah at 800. like because well, when you're doing instruction you spend a lot of time a lot of things are done at 1000 feet agl so you're real close to that and you, you get kind of comfortable with that and comfortable with being able to to get the if, if something were to happen to yeah. be able to quickly okay i can go over there yeah uh kind of a thing you know you you know do it over cities you know you know you do it out in the country and in north texas there's a lot of open land yeah you have Still, options yeah, yeah you have options i see you fly just in our you know i just see the ttx all the time what's your i mean you fly a lot of incredible aircraft that's that's not lost on me either right well so they all have their purpose and their use and their mission what's the most fun what is when you're like I get to fly one today. You said it. The TTX or the why? any 400 TTX. Yeah, why is that? They're fast. They're fast. They're incredibly responsive. Uh, it's the way they're put together. They have a you know solid rod connections and push uh, push rods and yeah. torque tubes, and so you you really have a, a you have a feel for everything that's going on. When you're going real fast, the stick is it's hard to move because air is moving at 180 knots over your over your uh, your control surfaces. Yeah, or your control surfaces. So, you know, it's, uh, you know it. When you start slowing down, you also know it because things get much more sloppy. Yeah. You know, if you get slow in the pattern, you know, you, you get the feel besides, I'm told other aircraft, they don't do that. Yeah. So, um, I, I, there's some that I haven't got a lot of experience in, but, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's the same feel all the time. They have springs built into the system and, it's the same feel whether you're doing, you know, 180 or you're doing 90 and fixing to drop out of the sky. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a great airplane and you can, it's fun to fly, you know, slow and just go out and do some stuff in. Uh, and it's, it's incredibly comfortable uh, getting from going anywhere and you can get there quick. Very know, quick. Like, you know, it's a, it's a nice, fast airplane. 
the problem I got, it was hard getting used to was the legs were longer because you're going faster and, you know, so I've got a, uh, like a three and a half hour bladder, but it always seemed like, (laughs) I know one of those. Yeah. It always seemed like though that having flown flying the TTXs, well, I could be home in like four hours and 10 minutes. So I'll just go ahead and go. You got five and a half hours of gas, fuel. So yeah. I'll, I'll just go ahead and go. And you're like, <laughs> you know, and the <laughs> problem is, sucks. the problem is if you've, if you've pushed it and gone to the, uh, and, and now the customer is standing there waiting. Hi, I got my brand new airplane. Like, Hi, eh, I'm Barry. Good to go. see you. I'll, I'll see you in just a second. <laughs> Gotta go. Uh, the worst, the worst one that ever happened. I was. It wasn't a TTX, but talking about bladder stuff. I, I was going to Statesboro, Georgia, to drop off an airplane, and I left out of Arlington. Had a pretty good tailwind. I had planned a fuel stop about three hours in Statesboro. I don't remember now, but it was maybe four-ish, four and a half. So I'm looking, and I'm, I figured my fuel like three different ways, and I'm looking at the thing like I don't need that fuel stop. And the last thing I thought was. Can I make that? Because I don't. Those little red jugs. Barry doesn't do those little red <laughs> jugs. I just that's. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this yeah. when the guy meets me at the door? Hi. Or the uh, thing. Yeah. Hide something for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> but no. The and the other thing is, I've I've got this wicked. Just I'm always thinking of the worst possible thing that could happen, and you spill it, or you know, you just get in the position. Everything's going right, and you hit like some wicked turbulence that you weren't planning on. And now you've, you know, relieved yourself all over the end. And he's standing there when you arrive. Yeah. Well, how's that that going to work? You know, I was like, well, you know, give me a few minutes here. Yeah. Oh my. So I've just decided now I have, you know, I've, I've experienced it a few times, but, and typically now I, I just try not to. So I get to Statesboro and I just, and man, just as soon as I changed my destination, to Statesboro, guy gives me the clearance. I'm like, oh, oh, wait a minute, hang on, oh, dead gummit. <laughs> and so, but I, I pressed on, and I get to Statesboro, and <laughs> I hear him. There's, they're having parachute jumping, and oh. there's, there's jumpers over the airport. I'm like, well, I'm not flying in there and getting a, some parachute just on my windshield. Yeah. Oh. So I had to turn south, and I flew out south, and I finally called the guy, and I'm like, hey, uh, I did the jump plane. I'm like, hey, uh, what's your status here? Oh, I'm on short final, and all the jumpers are on. Oh. Oh. And now I'm like three miles or four miles from there. So I had to turn in, taxi up, and drive, and, you know, taxi in. The guy, had, we had done some maintenance to the airplane back in Arlington, so I was just taking it. So he knew the airplane and everything. And I mean, he was right there. As soon as the prop stopped spinning, he's standing at the door. And I'm like, I was in agony. I busted the door. I just kind of opened the door, and I kind of had to push him like out. I was like, out of the way. Get, yeah. yeah, politely. And I'm like, hi, I'm Barry. I'll see you in a sec. And boom. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I almost I ran around. I almost ran around the other side of the airplane and just, you yeah, know, but I, I went on in. Right? I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's a typical conversation because, yeah. well, that's the thing is when you take a TTX or 400 of any sort, you know, either the 400 TTX 350, mm-hmm. um, everybody's like, well, it, but I can't put anybody in it because, well, yeah, no. I mean, what are you trying to do? Well, if I fill up the fuel and then I can only take like another person, I get, well, wait a minute. 
You're putting five. What's your normal mission? Oh, I just fly down for an hour and a half. Well, great. You got five and a half hours of fuel on board. Yeah. How about fueling for the mission? Yeah, instead of. And yeah, just put in what fuel you need to be safe with, with the reserves and all of that. Yeah. Put that in the airplane and then, and then you know, put everybody and in. then put every, you know, put in the people yeah. you need to put it in. Oh, I never thought of it. Anyway, but yeah, that's, that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, yeah. but the TTX, I mean, it has the same, the same payload as a, as a, uh, or pretty close as a, uh, 182. Yeah. And 182 has got all kinds of room in it. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's a great airplane. Yeah. yeah. Man. Both of them are for the, you know, they have their own missions. 206 is how you, you guys had a 206 mm-hmm. and it had a great mission, but my problems with the 206 are probably what, you know, why you guys don't have it anymore. It's just try, you know, yeah, it's a great it's a great airplane. If you're gonna stick a whole bunch of people and hunting gear and all that kind of stuff in it, and take the airplane out and fly it in the middle of no place and land on a postage stamp, yeah, that's your airplane. Yeah. Okay. When I'm moving it, it's me and twenty pounds of bags, and I got to stop twice because you're burning a lot more fuel. Yep. So I've got to stop more times getting it. That's the only problem. You know, I mean, but for its mission, it's a fantastic airplane. I just don't have that yeah. mission. There's an airplane yeah. for everybody. Yeah, that, again, there's an airplane for everybody. Man, yeah. good rap on that. You make yeah. you make flying sound very glamorous and wonderful. But <laughs> e- every job has a downside. What's the downside? Because I haven't heard any downsides yet. I'm uh, like, let's go, let's do this. But there's ferry ferry pilots. Um, you, the, the the down you, you've got to be. Very, you've got to be able to roll, roll with it, roll with whatever you've been handed. Yeah. Uh, when you, you know, you roll up on a ramp, we have certain SOPs. This plane has to be in a hangar. Well, I, I, I called an airport in uh, Millington, uh, Millington, it's right outside of Memphis. And I, so I get, I, the guy said, yeah, you got to, we can put you in a hangar. Okay. So I get there and some other old crotchety guy meets me there. And I was <laughs> like, hey, the guy told me I can put this in a, oh no, we don't. And I wasn't in it long enough, and I didn't have the heart to argue with him because I, I was ready to explain. I was like, okay, fine. I called around, and I found down in Tunica. And I, <laughs> I called Tunica, and I said, uh, I, I just said, hey, I need to know. if." And she's, like, trying to ask me all these questions. I was like, look, I got one question. Can you, do you have room in a hangar for me? Oh, yes, we have room in a hangar, but, but I was like, that's fine. We'll settle all the rest of it when I get there. I was like 20 minutes. The sun was going down. I'm on my way. So I jump in the plane and off I go and I fly down to Tunica and I get up and I walk in and I said, hi, I talked to you about hangar. She said, yes. Um, What I was trying to tell you when you hung up was the World Series of Poker is in town (laughs) and we have no hotels available. I finally found you one. Oh. Uh, I found a hotel for you. I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, this is this much. I got, okay. And it was, I want to say it was like a Motel 6 or something. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah, here we go. And, I mean, we, our guys, I got to say, we get paid. They cover all of our expenses. And, you know, they're fine with Hampton Inn and stuff. like. We, they want everybody to get a good night's sleep. We don't want you sleeping in the no-tell mo- motel sure. and trying to cut corners yeah. to save extra money. They they pay your rate, and then they pay all your expenses. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, okay. And the guy flew me over there uh, or drove me over there to the hotel, and I get done at the hotel, and I get to the hotel, and I'm like, hey, you know, 
just I got to get back. And I am literally out in the middle of, I don't know if it was rice fields or what the heck I was. It was the middle of no place. This building, it was, there was a gas station across the way that had a uh, subway attached to it. And baby, that was it. That was all you had? That was it. (laughs) And like, you could hold up the sheets and see through the, you know, Uh, you could read a magazine through the sheets. It had a tube TV. On the, I mean, and hey, it was man, several years a, ago, but it, it was a, yeah. It was just a vintage. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, but you, you know, it wasn't vintage. <laughs> it was freaking old, and that was all there was. To, so anyway, but that's that was my deal, and I just was telling the guy, um, I get to look around, I was like, hey, I got to get back to the airport in the morning. And the lady looks, and I get this blank stare. I'm like, all right, do you have any idea of how I can get a ride back to the airport? She's like. Well, we have this, and it's it's a card for a guy who there's a it gives me a card, and it's basically you know if you're drunk and you know need a ride home, this was before Uber or Uber was in its inception, so sure it wasn't out in this rice field. There was Uber was not yeah coming, definitely not here with Uber tube was TV. not coming to the rice field with the tube TV. Yeah, so um, I I get <laughs> I get on the I I call this guy I'm like hey can you well, that's usually the end of my oh wait a minute. The, the 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 rest of the story was the guy calls me and he says uh, I call the guy and he says and I like I dial once and it rings ring nothing like the third time oh yeah and I told him who I was what I need he's like oh uh, I've just had surgery and I'm not I'm not driving I'm like I spent half the night on this uh, I know an old boy call him and he gives me this number I call this guy up and this other guy calls up and. It just sounded shady. Talking to him sounded shady. So I'm like, look, I got, I have to get, I can't walk. There's no way I'm walking back to this airport. It's probably yeah. 10 miles away. So it, the old man, is, I said, uh, I need a ride. Oh, yeah, I can probably come by and pick you up. And he just sounded like he was maybe going to do it and maybe not going to do it. And I kind of said, look, I, 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 there ain't no maybe about this. I, I need to know if you're going to take me. And uh, he's like, well, I told you I'd come. I'll take, I, I'll come. I, Okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Good. And sure enough, he comes rolling in in a in a Pontiac venture van or something and this was long after Pontiac was out of business. Okay, this is the downside of this is it. of a ferry pilot here. These are the things that yeah. you can kind of fall into and I I wound up and the guy was like talking about his time in Vietnam and and all this stuff and and I'm like, how much am I going to give this guy? How am I going to mm-hmm. pay for this? I mean, how much is this ride going to be? And I kind of broached it halfway back. Oh, you got money. I don't worry about it. I'm like, you're going to an airport. I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be oh, boy. And, and I, I finally, I just, I went through what I had. And I, I'm like, what am I going to do? I'll give him $100. That'll shut him up. You know, and that'll just get me away from there. They'll either give it to me or I can afford to lose it. Whatever. Yeah. So I just hundred dollars, and I I split it into like uh, eighty and twenty or something, and I stuck it in my pocket, and two pockets, and put my wallet back. And I, <laughs> I went. And I was like, "Well, I got this. Oh man, you got more money than that." I was like, "Look, dude," and I handed him the other twenty. I was like, "That's all that's I got. All I have. I gotta go." And I and I was like, "Thanks a lot. See you." And boom, I was out of there. That's the and wow. If that guy decided to kill me and leave me in a ditch, I'd still be pushing up daisies in the <laughs> ditch because there, I was in the middle of no place in Tunica, Mississippi. Nobody would know. Yeah, nobody would have known. So wow. the downside of of and, and that's the biggest thing is is you know getting to places and not knowing. You know, a lot of people buy airplanes in little towns because yeah. they want to get to the big town. Well, there's not all the services in a little town that we need to get around. You yeah. can't even rent a car. Uber is 
It's questionable spotty now. Yeah. So, so you're kind of flying good. into the unknown in a lot of these situations. In a, in a lot of it, yeah. You just have uh, to be willing to do yeah. that. Yeah. And most of the time, the the buyers are pretty helpful to you. Like, I was sure. Uh, guys are like, well, how am I getting out of here? Like, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. What I did when I when I was doing this was. Pay me. I asked the, well, I had, <laughs> paid him 80 bucks and then yeah. give him the other 20. No, I, I would just put it on the, I'd say, hey, uh, I'm not real familiar with your part. How? I got to get out on a commercial flight. How do I get? And it's amazing how you can not tell them, but you tell them, I need a ride. Yeah. And, well, I got me a brand new airplane. I'd be glad to give you a ride over to, it's, you know, 100 miles over to the wherever and sure. you catch the airplane out of there. So, okay. You just kind of, most of the time, they're very helpful to you. Uh, sometimes, you know, there's times you get there and the guy's not even, you know, they're not even there yet or something. You know, then you're like, yeah what's going so on? yeah it, walking in you have to it takes a certain kind of personality and yeah. getting around is i mean we could go on forever i've got all kinds of stories of other guys and stuff that i've gone through trying to get someplace yeah like did you know there's a u-haul in every little town you may not be able to rent a car <laughs> you know but you can find a u-haul place and you can rent a truck for one way yeah and get back into the get back into uh into where you gotta deal. go to get to the bigger town so you where go, you park it at the u-haul and call uber and they take you over to the airport wow so you go drop off an airplane haul down a highway in a freaking uh u-haul pickup yeah. and oh, then yeah. wow what's what about nighttime flying is that more i mean because you have to be again prepared and willing to fly in in all sorts of conditions and be safe of course on that topic, any VFR pilot can fly at night, but you have to be certified to fly an IMC. And so I'm curious to know what your thought is on the difference from a safety standpoint of flying at night versus flying an IMC. Is is nighttime more dangerous than, than IMC? Um, probably about the same. I haven't really that is sat and thought about it. Uh, you know, well, first off, I mean, you've either got one of two things underneath you in, in the dark, okay? Um, you've either got lights, okay? So there's civilization there, but that means houses, power buildings, lines. power lines, all kinds of things, you know? Yeah. Or you've got black. And, that's and that could be trees. That could trees. be you know, <laughs> water, you know, and, and you name it. So, you know, the problem with the problem you have with it or in making the decision is flying at night is so darn beautiful. That it's is just very true. You know, you Even get out the there. The smallest of towns are gorgeous. Yeah, and the towns and the the air typically calms down, so it's not it's smooth as silk, yeah. and you just have the hum of the engine, and you're just going along, and whatever is before you is before you, and the lights slip underneath you. It's it's just, but it's it's just so comfortable to yeah. be up there doing that. And you know, the downside is things quit. I you know where you going it's yeah. a crapshoot as to where you're going pretty much the same in i in, you know in, in low ifr and i i try to stay i try to stay away from uh even flying over low ifr areas so even if you're up there because if you got to come if you have to come down you got a long way down you, we got a long well you got a long way down but you've got to get down and like i said you've got to break out at 200 feet or 100 you know if it's if you've got very low minimum very low ceilings or no sense if you've got fog on the ground, you've got to take the plane down into that, and you've got that one engine. Yeah, you know, so you know, it's just it, it's kind of a crapshoot. I, I, we're more, yeah, you you have to get out. You you got an eight hundred foot ceiling, and it's a, it's clear in a million down the road, or you're flying in, and 
you know, it's it's just there's there's no thunderstorms or anything like that. It's just an 800 foot ceiling in there. If you're down close to the coast or you know someplace like that, well, you just go into it. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, going into smoke is is probably the the weirdest the thing I've ever gone. Yeah, because typically you'll break out. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to fly into fog, and I want to have three miles of visibility, but which isn't a huge amount. But man, I, I last year I delivered a 350 with with the owner out to California, and we were hoping that the winds would change, and they didn't. And we get out there, and it was three miles, and visibility, it wasn't three miles in one foot. And we got, and it doesn't, it goes all the way to the ground like fog does. So yeah. you don't have a scene, you don't break out and then you have a little bit clearer view. I couldn't see diddly until we got right up on the light. And, and this had, was fire smoke. It was fire smoke, yeah. yeah. And that was a weird one. I mean, just for a visibility yeah. thing. And it's all of them the same. It's visibility, whether it's dark or whether it's just, you know, there's obscuration like like uh, uh, smoke or, yeah. you know, or if you've got haze or whatever. It's all it's all the same, and it's it's it is it runs risk factors up. Yeah, well, that's you just got to run the you just got to figure the risk on it. Yeah, that's what we love about the two engines, right? If you're flying at night and doing well, you all get, that, yeah, you got well, that's two that's, chances. That's what those are know. for. Yeah, yeah. Now you got to be Justin's got to take a lot of training to be able to handle it because when one of those engines, those planes are not near as dangerous with two engines running. When you got with just one engine running, the dynamics of it are very different yeah very different. very much so and you need to be right on it yeah i think it's incredible that we can go out as vfr pilots and fly at night and then and i, I there's that amazes me amazes i know me. It, it, it's 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 a fun thing to do one you know just like most of mine my flying <clears throat> is if i'm coming back into to dallas and you know i i could but i'm gonna pull up in texarkana or I can. I got an hour in. I've been flying. I've been flying this airplane for the last three, four, five hours. Everything is solid on it. You know, it's got a IFR cert. It's got all that stuff. Um, annuals. It, it hasn't been doing anything that causes me concern. Yeah. I'll fly on into Dallas. Yeah. You know, and land, and that's that. Yeah. Um, it's it's you know it's like that plane that I brought from Pittsburgh. I wasn't flying it at dusk. I wasn't you know I wasn't yeah. flying. I wasn't getting anywhere close at all. Clear, clear blue skies is all yeah. I was taking that airplane in. It just that's the way it was going to happen. I want to circle back to the very beginning. You talked about kind of a uh, slow start getting into aviation. You know, take some time, do whatever financially, time wise. You got family and all that. What's your advice to younger younger pilots looking to get into it? Because it is relative, yes, but prices have gone up in a bunch of stuff. I remember my uncle saying, "Oh man, I used to pay." Uh, pay you know, twenty bucks an hour for my for my flight time and all that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing. I paid fifty when I started. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, average rentals are up in for a for a a one seventy two, a decent one seventy two. It's gonna be a hundred and something dollars yeah. an hour, whatever yeah, it is. Easy. So, but we're making more than we were back then. I mean, it's all relative, yeah. I suppose. But yeah. what's your advice to the kids looking to get in and do it when it might come across as incredibly challenging? Two ways. <clears throat> um. You can, it depends on your goals, yeah. okay, and your means, okay? If you want to be an airline pilot, you don't want to mess around with it. You just want to, you want to be an airline pilot. And dad got plenty of cash. Well, go down, you know, you can go to some, you know, any large flight school will be glad to separate you from your money. Yeah. Problem with that is typically 
they will tell you when to be there. This is this is the program, and this is what you will adhere to. Yeah. Okay. That's that. If you don't have, and I tell this all the time, Uber drivers, every Uber driver I've ever ridden with wants to be a pilot. <laughs> so yeah. I, you know, and I've I've given them yeah. my cards, and I've said, hey, you know, call me. I'll be glad to help you find an instructor. But the, what I tell them typically is, look, if you're just a guy like I did, schlepping around trying to make ends meet, and you want to be a pilot. Well, do what I, you know, set up a separate account, throw some money in there every once in a while. Go out to an airport, and every little airport around got the old guy who's got his airplane, and he's teaching people how to fly, okay? That's the guy you want. Yeah. He will make you a safe pilot because, A, if he's doing, if he's my age and he's still doing it, he likes doing it. Yeah. And he's been doing it a while, so he knows how to teach you. If you stumble with a particular problem, he knows another way because he's had somebody else that had the same thing. So yeah. he knows how to get you there. Typically, their pay is you go, which is a great thing. Yeah. I wouldn't have made it any other way. Um, you know, so you just go when you know when you have money, you take a lesson, and you don't lose a lot. When you, I, probably the longest I was out was like eight months, and after like two lessons, I was right back doing everything I had done. So yeah. That's the way to do it. And if you can't find them at this airport, all you got to do is go in and hang around and then find somebody who's, you know, hey, is there a guy that gives flying lessons out of here, has his own? Yeah. And someone will say, well, go to the flight school. Go over there. Yeah. Go see that guy. Get a hold of him. Take him up. If you like him, stay there. If you don't, go to another airport. (laughs) And, I mean, there's airports all around. Yeah. You know, go to another and find you a guy that you like who's going to – and that old guy – you know, you know, barring the Grim Reaper, he's gonna he's gonna be there for you. Yeah. You know, he's interested in making you a pilot. Yeah. Uh, most of the people at the larger places, they're interested in getting their hours and getting the heck out. That's yeah. that's uh, you know, I had a personal relation. You know, it, it's way better to learn from somebody who has a personal. They know how to teach you. Yeah. You know, if you're changing week to week to week, that's not a that's not a great way of learning to be a good safe pilot. And so I tell them, you know, if you just want to go sit in the right seat, because that's what they're prepping you for. They're teaching you how to pass a test and put you into a into the right seat of a RJ so that some other guy who's got a little bit more experience can show you the rest of the ropes. Yeah. You know, you pass the test. That's it. You are a pilot because you pass the test. Right. You know, do you do you, you know, do you want the guy operate the doctor operating on you? who finished at the bottom of his class and just barely passed the test. Just barely passed the test. Well, he's on, at some point, he's going to be hauling 300 of those people behind him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there is that guy. I guarantee you, I didn't finish at the top of my class. But I understand that you play for keeps as a pilot. That's yeah. just all there is to it. And you need to be safe. Yeah. I In thinking about this, I wasn't sure exactly how we were going to do this. So um, what I... <laughs> The thing to remember in aviation, the thing that's the coolest about aviation is how good people are in aviation. Yeah. They just, I mean, you fly into town. We talked about getting stuck in Tunica and blah, blah, blah. I was in, a, I was, I stopped in uh, Rapid City, South Dakota a couple, uh, about a month or two ago. And it was cold, nasty. And I walked in and it was one of those deals. I just walked in and I'm going to either get an Uber or something. And I walked in and the ladies asked, well, what are you going to do? You know, uh, do you have a hotel? I was like, no, I'm working on that right now. I got, so I'm staying over by the thing, by the, uh, place on the edge of town. And I was like, okay. She's like, huh. 
I said, how can I get there? Well, Uber is a little. And his voice from behind me goes, I'm staying at that same hotel. You want to ride? Yeah. I didn't know the guy from Adam. He was there training a guy in a, in a, a King Air. And we drove over, chatted a little bit. A very nice guy. And on the way back, he's like, uh, what time you what time you got to be at the airport tomorrow? My my answer was, what time you going to the airport yeah, tomorrow? Yeah, same and time we as went you back are. To the, yeah, we went back to the airport. There's super nice people and the kind people. The the things that guys are doing to to get more people into aviation. Uh, I was on the phone. I had a friend of mine last night with uh, he's the president of the California Red Tails, who is the California chapter of the Black Pilots Association. Okay, they do a uh, they do with younger kids a flight academy the not the california people uh jarvis is my friend but their chapter down in houston the bronze eagles sponsor a thing called their flight academy and they're you know they sponsor kids bring them in and try to and i don't have all the details on it but it's a great thing it's coming up in july and i've been trying to get on board with those guys for the past couple of years covid kind of yeah jack things up but it's just the things that people do are 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 amazing you know that guy that the old gray-haired guy that i told you that you go find at any airport yeah i guarantee you he's 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 made his nut he's he's not doing he's doing this to make other pilots because he loves it he wants wants to to do it yes yeah very much so do you think aviation is is dying out in some way in in any regard i mean it's not like what it was from what i could tell i mean personal experience um i feel like everybody that i meet and i just in my very young pilot career as i am right now 200 something hours most people that i meet and we get somehow on the topic of aviation oh yeah i'm a pilot and do whatever it's oh my uncle was a pilot my grandfather was a pilot my whatever i don't meet other pilots my age necessarily and it might just be where we are and the certain airports and all this um the school that I went to, I was the last graduating class to get a degree in aviation, and then they chopped the entire program, and it was gone. Uh, and I went to that school specifically off of a recommendation from an uncle who was like, oh, yeah, when I was there, it was huge. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of students going yeah. just through this and all that. And now it's so small that they have to cut it because it's a it's a waste of money is what they presented it as. So yeah. is is aviation kind of changing? Is there like a shift in it right now? There are There are... People who are much more, uh, much better at answering, much more have much more knowledgeable in answering that kind of a question. Uh, I know my employer, the people that I contract to, are um, are selling the heck out of airplanes. Yeah. Now, yeah, and it's it's not all old guys either. Really? Them. Yeah. There yeah. are, you know, younger, upwardly mobile types that are doing it. You know, they're, they're guys that are go-getters to go do it. But, yeah, I'd, I mean, I came in late anyway. Yeah. I've been in it for like 20 years. And, yeah, it's changed. But, you know what, I, I, I really don't focus on that. I just focus on going out and flying and my opportunity to fly and my opportunity to help other kids. You know, we get a lot of kids that come, younger people that come to us who are just trying to build their hours to get to. Yeah. And they don't know what they don't know, and we try to help them along with that as best I can if it doesn't cost the company money, you know, uh, as long as they have the skills to start with. Now, some of them, some of the best sticks I've ever been around. They yeah. come out of there. I've got a few of them with me that, that work with us right now, and they're fantastic. Some of them, not so much. You know, they were the other guys in the class. But, yeah, yeah. we just try to help them along. 
uh, as long as they're not dangerous, just got to teach them, sure. you know, show them a little bit more. Do you have any of the airplane? Any yeah. any struggles finding pilots? Um, no, not really. Yeah. Um, you, we're in a big area. I mean, we're in Dallas, Fort Worth, so that's a big deal. There's you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a flight school. So there's yeah. all those guys coming out. We've we've got a pretty good mix of of guys who are just trying to get to the airline. We have a, a lot of kind of like me, but a little bit younger, change of career guys, guys coming out of the military after their 20 years, they're still in their forties. Sure. You know, and they're wanting, but they've still got to get the same amount of hours. And the funny thing, most of them weren't even pilots in the, in, <laughs> yeah. in the, in the military. They just were in the military, but I, uh, a lot of them, uncle Sam paid for them. Others just, that's what the direction that they're going in. And they're still uh, trying to get there. So, you know, they come on board. Those are great guys to have because they, they do have a work ethic and they do have a, um, they 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 are they know the score, and I, I'm not worried about them getting stuck at a at a place in Tunica. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh. So, uh, and then we have retired guys who just want to keep their finger in it, whether they were airline people. I've had a couple of retired airline guys, um, and just other guys who are retirees. I have a, a guy who was a, uh, he was an FBI agent, and he retired, and he was in the he started the aviation branch where he was and then went and got his pilot. He said, well, this is kind of cool. I'll go get my pilot's license. Wow. And then he became a pilot yeah. and then he started flying for the, for the FBI. Wow. And he said, you know, I was like, they flew two Oh sixes, which is great. Cause you can't find a lot of people doing our job that are in two Oh sixes. We have to move them into it. Yeah. But, uh, he said, yeah. He said, well, our retirement group is called the, 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 the guys of the endless circle or something about the end because they're FBI guys. All they're doing is they go out and just fly around watching for a car to move. Yeah. And then they call somebody, Hey, the car moved. And then somebody goes and follows it. Gotcha. You know? yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. it was kind of interesting, but he's, he's a great guy. He had some interesting stories. He hasn't been with us. He's just, I just want to fly. Yeah. You know, I got time. I, 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 I don't want to sit at home. That's all I want to do. Yeah. And so, you know, they're great people. So you've got a great mix of different people. Yeah. For what we, what we do. I love yeah, that. Yeah. For ferry pilots, the the conversation is the the stuff you've gotten into, and you know where you've been stuck. I had a guy. I, I'll tell you this story. I thought this one was funny. He flew up. He had to go to Canada, and he went. Uh, Presque Isle is like the farther far northest uh, point of the United States in Maine. Okay, and it's right. I don't remember the name of the town on the other side, but he was delivering an airplane on the other side of the. Uh, of the border. Yeah. He had to get into Canada and, uh, he made the delivery. This was at the beginning of COVID by the way. So I was, it was my job to get the airplane there. I asked him to do it. I, I trusted him. He was a retired Marine and nice guy and, uh, he, he could, he could get it done. So it gets, and I'm, and I'm real worried, you know, crossing the border, the whole thing is I didn't want him to get quarantined for two weeks and he gets across the border and, uh, he calls me. I'm like, hey, how's it going? He, well, the, we got the plane delivered. Um, uh, I'm still trying to figure out how to get home. And I'm like, and I kind of started laughing. And he's like, oh, you think that's funny, huh? And I was like, well, well Stacey, I, I hate to break it to you, but uh, my job was to get the airplane there, and you got the airplane there. Good job. It's your job to get it home. I need to get home, but l let me let me just. I mean, let's think about this. Right? Can you get to Montreal? No, it's going to take forever to get there. There's no way to get down there because he's in, literally out in the woods. And he says, 
wait, I- I'll call you back. There's ladies talking to me here. So hang on. So, uh, okay, I got it made. Here's the deal. They're going to they're gonna get a taxi cab to take me to the border. Then there's going to be another taxi cab come up to the other side of the border and wait on me. She knows these people on either side of the border, so they're going to do that. I'm like, well, that sounds kind of sketchy, but okay. Yeah. And then he says, and he says, but now I'm still trying to figure out that the airplane that comes in here only comes in once a day, and it was here yesterday, or once a week, and it only oh. comes, it was here yesterday. I'm like, this is, and I went to the U-Haul deal. I was like, stay, hey, I know a, there was another pilot, and several have done it now since he did it. The, he was the first one I knew of doing it. He's like, he went to a U-Haul joint. Said, you might see if there's a U-Haul in town, and you know, then you can get on down to Bangor or, or uh, uh, Portland or something like that. Yeah. Send me a text later on. All set. I'm in my U-Haul on the way to on the way to Bangor, and he caught a plane on the way home. But he said that he I, I talked to him about it afterwards. He said, man, you'll never know the funniest. I got the funniest look from those border guards because it's out and it's a little shack in the middle of the woods. Yeah. He said and the guy couldn't park where they could see him. I just kind of came trucking up with my flight bag and my suitcase up to the border crossing, and the guy's like, what are you doing? Where did, where did you come from? Yeah. And he's like, well, well, and he explained to him what was going on. I was like, well, great. And he said, well, come in here. And they took his stuff and they stamped it. They did everything they were supposed to do. And they're like, where are you going? <laughs> he's like, well, there's supposed to be a cab driving around the bend over here that's waiting on me. He's like, well, good luck to you, sir. And yeah. <laughs> sure enough, the guy was there and took him into town. He got the uh, U-Haul and off he went. So, yeah, man. it's that's the uh, – uh, man, I'm uh, I'm sorry if I if – I, the ferry part of this is kind of no. – you know, this is the biggest part of what I've done. And those are the – we can talk about flying. I mean, stuff that we've gotten into, um, uh, you know, whether – there was a guy um, who uh, – He's a great guy. He was about this big. Okay. He was a little bitty fella, but he was a great, he was a Marine. He had, he had gotten out. He'd been in the Marines for four or six years or whatever. And he had gotten out trying to, his dad was in the airlines. He was trying to pursue that flying with, with us. And I ran across him on the ramp one day and I'm like, man, how you doing? I ain't seen you in a while. I said, oh man, like, what happened? What's the matter? He said, oh. man, I was out in, I was out in New Mexico and I landed and it had like a 182 I was bringing back and. Uh, I looked up and there was a dust devil coming down the taxiway, like a big, yeah, you know, like a tornado. Like, them thing, and they're, I hadn't really seen one until that. And they're thought it was pretty, pretty, they're yeah. pretty funky and they're, they're scary. Yeah. He says, coming down, and, and, and the, we were running around, we were trying to get the plane tied down, but we didn't have any tie down. We were, he said, and all of a sudden, the, the dust devil grabbed the airplane. And he said, so I grabbed onto the, and I'm looking at the guy. I said, you grabbed onto the airplane? The guy was this big. Oh. Well, you know, he's, he's like, yeah, I mean, he was a really short, he was a very small dude. Now, he had to be one of the toughest dudes in the world because he had lasted four years or six years in the Marine Corps as a little bitty dude. Right. So, and he was. He was a very nice guy. But I'm just like, you you grabbed the airplane? Well, yeah, I thought I could. Dude, you weighed like yeah. 80 pounds of soaking wet. Yeah. He's like, well, I he said, "Yeah, I, I I got away from it, and it it did some damage to the airplane." All right, so that was a so it kind of scared him story. off from it for a no, while. No, he didn't. Or? He just was. He just was. It was a, a funky story to tell yeah. on the yeah. ramp. Like, what have you been up to? Kind of a thing on the ramp. Right. You oh, know? you know, wrestling airplanes. Yeah, wrestling. Huh? What yeah. in the world? Um, flying wise, like I said, I I did that approach into the smoke. Yeah, that is that was that was interesting. Uh, and it. <laughs> 
the I called the tower after I landed. They had he said, Well, we put the lights on for you. And I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm looking as I'm making this approach. And I'm like, what is that? He had put the lights on low. Ah. Thanks, and I'm like, buddy. I bet like I got there and I could see the light stands before I could see the, the light. light inside. And yeah. I, I touched down and I, I got the airplane under control, you know, and I, I'm taxiing off. I'm like, hey, not for nothing, uh, for the next guy coming in, you may want to turn him up to high. Bump those he goes, yeah, up. just bring him on up there. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, thanks for telling me. Yeah, yeah I couldn't see anything. Uh, but that's. Um, Did you ever have a flight where you were chugging along? There was like one of those really long ones. And this kind of goes back to, you know, do you ever get tired of it or anything? Did it ever pop in your head like, what am I doing right now? I mean, is this like, oh, I can't either. Maybe you had to use the bathroom real bad or you just couldn't wait to be home for something. It, what, has it ever hit you at any point of like, man, what am I doing? Do I need to be doing something else or this isn't as much fun as I thought? Or is it always just like, I get to fly today? I get to fly today. Ah, that's that's awesome. all there is to it. And that's it's awesome. it's it's cool. Yeah, there have been like, oh, God, I wish this trip would be done. You you know, it's, when you're sitting in an airport waiting for the snow to move off. And, yeah. You know, it's like you'd, there's ice in the clouds. You can't go any. You want to get the job done, but you can't get, you know, but you got to be safe. Yeah. And that, that, that gets a little frustrating. But you know what? It's going to be blue skies one of these days and you're going to get the airplane out. of it. And, and, you know, we don't push people. Yeah. Uh, if they've got to be. I mean, we've left. You know, it's like, look, dude, this stuff is here for a week. Just come on home, and we'll send somebody else yeah, up. We'll you know. figure it out later. Yeah, and we'll we'll send. You know, and you tell people, okay, watch the weather and be there when it breaks, so you can get in the yeah. you know, That's how you do it. What's the difference between a safe pilot and a chicken pilot? One who literally is so scared or worried or safe that. I'm canceling all the time, and I don't push myself safely. I don't do whatever. What's what's the difference between being safe and taking safety too far? Or is, I've, is there I've, a difference? I've I've met both. Um, I I'd, I'd hate to say that I don't really want to to cast judgments. There's all sorts of reasons mm-hmm. why you don't want uh, you know why this guy has the feelings that he has. You know, he may have scared himself by yeah. doing something. Stalls. Stalls are a big deal. You know, I've met, I don't know how many people I've met, well, yeah, the first time the guy did a stall, I just quit. I wasn't going to do that. Well, that's because the guy did it wrong. Right. The instructor was not a good instructor. Yeah. You're not there to scare the guy. You're there to show him how you, first off, you don't do stalls to become good at doing stalls. Yeah. You do stalls so that you see what the onset looks like and, get out of it yeah okay so you know doing it where you shove it up and wait for the nose to drop way down so that you get a planned view of the area that you're going and going straight down yeah I, when i got taught it was it was it was basically a non-event just pull the power and hold the nose up keep holding the nose up to hold your altitude you get a little bump you then yeah. you relax and give it some power and that's it but yeah so many people have that and that can turn somebody into a, a skittish flyer yeah you know anymore um, be safe. And if that's the way the guy wants to be, the only problem is, and you know, it comes to their education part of it is you, they need to have somebody explain to them that, you know, if you're always canceling this, but you're, you're a pilot, well, guess what? You could get there and have a forecast. I don't trust the forecast until I'm standing in it. Yeah. You, know, you can get, there have been a million times where, well, it's supposed to be. And then you get to looking down the road and it's like, well, it's supposed to be clear when I get there. Well, that, all that weather is sped up and it's there. Well, at some point, depending on where you are, 
you may just have to be able to handle the airplane in this. So canceling lessons because of that is yeah. it, it, it. I had the, all I can say is I had the exact opposite uh, feeling when I was learning. My guy told us from the start that he would fly as long as it was legal. He would never cancel a lesson ever as long as it was legal to fly. That's it. So wow. I've actually, I've actually been up in 50 knot winds and the, he start he uh, didn't start he um, he hovered the airplane. I've hovered in a uh, Cherokee. <sighs> we took off one day. I mean, and it was it was it's been blowing a lot lately, but it 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 was blowing, it was like crazy blowing, and and I remember him getting out of the airplane. He's like, "You up for this? You? Yeah, I just flew in. Okay, let's go." So off we went, and we were flying. I don't remember. All I remember is as we took off, went west of the airport to our little practice area. He finally said, you know what? This is a good day for this. I don't know what he was talking about. He says, hang on. He said, here, let me, I got the airplane. Okay, you have the airplane. And he's, he goes, and he pulls the power and starts setting the, the flaps. And I'm looking, and I'm looking, and he gets the plane, and I, we're slowing down. And then he goes, see that, that mobile home right there? Yeah, watch it. And I watched it, and that mobile home <laughs> came to us and just kind of stopped right in front of the, of the wing yeah. and just sat there. We couldn't, he says, you know, the wind's not quite hard enough for us to go backwards today because wow. I've gone backwards too. Yeah. And I'm like, that's crazy. When you, when you can figure out how to do it, you really know aerodynamics. Yeah. You, know, you figure out how yeah. to, and he did it just like he was combing his hair. It was just, uh, see that? Yep. And it stopped. And no it was, big deal. it was no big deal. So cool. I would do that. Uh, we flew, you know, I've flown in, you know, three miles. We've talked about three miles of visibility. When you're a private pilot, Three miles of visibility is about an inch yeah. the way you feel. But he, we were going someplace, and we were just going to move the plane from his airport down to his mechanic. So we went down at 800-foot AGL. Now he knew every inch of the way. We yeah. were going 20 miles, and we knew every inch of the way. It was a very safe thing. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't something you just do for fun. He needed to get the airplane moved, and it was legal to do it. Yeah, we stayed in the class G, and we just went down and uh, went down and landed. But man, when you do it the first time, yeah, yeah. And but after that, it's like, oh, okay. But you know, you know, there's a lot of prep for it and stuff. You know, how's the weather all the way? Is every you know, yeah. nothing's moving in that's gonna shut you out when you get there. This was just a, yeah, you know, a. a stationary front that was just there yeah and but we we had we were reasonably certain that it was going to stay there and we prepared yeah yeah Yeah, that's it do you think kind of going back to the safe versus chicken do you think the improvement in avionics now with the you know going from steam gauges to g1000s 2000s all this other stuff and i ask this question because i've heard it before do you think that that makes for lazy pilots nowadays and less proficient pilots because of the advancements in avionics does that does does that make for bad pilots nowadays especially the ones starting to learn in those like that's all they know because like vors are kind of going out right and i'm not going out but you know what yeah, i mean they're, yeah they're, they're reducing the number this. of them certainly right yeah. so so does that make does the advancements and the wonderfulness make for worse pilots Man, I, you know, I came in and before we did this, Justin asked me about, uh, I'm going to, this is a, a diplomatic way of sidestepping your question. Sure. 
you know, uh, opinions, opinions are like, kind of like butts. Everybody's got one and they all stink, but mine kind <laughs> of a thing. And no one is interested in anybody else's butt, but mine, or I'm not interested in anybody else's butt, but mine. So that's yeah. kind of the way opinions are. Um, I try not to, I try to steer myself away from being the crotchety old, well, things were a lot better in 1906, you know, <laughs> come on. Um, yeah. but <laughs> I think it is what it is. Um, I, and there are, cause I've seen what you're talking about. Yeah. And you know, there are guys I have flown with young men who are new pilots to this. Yeah. They've, they got all their education in class because that's what's available to them, mm-hmm. you know? And they were darn good pilots period. They were really good pilots. Uh, best answer I would say was, you know, if they were going to be a lazy pilot, they were going to be a lazy pilot, whether it was in, in six pack or in glass or, you know, if they were <laughs> put it this way, my instructor told me, uh, we weren't, we weren't five lessons in when he said, if they'll cut you off in traffic, they'll cut you off in the pattern. And that's kind of the way life is. If the, mm, if the guy, if the I guy like was that. that way, if the guy was that way from the start, yeah. You know, if he barely got, you know, if he was the guy who was just happy with being at the bottom of the class but getting by, well, then that's what you're going to get all the way out. Yeah. Uh, if if they, if it was expressed to them by be it their parents or, or whomever that, you know, you need to kind of excel, especially when you play for keeps like you do in aviation. Yeah. You know, then they get it more. Other guys think they're just bulletproof and that's just all there is to it. I thought I was bulletproof back then. Yeah. You know, it just it it's and you you reach in, you you find guys like that. And I've had to kind of move away from people like that in my job because it, it's it's it runs risk up for for the for my my the people I work for and insurance rates. You can't be doing stupid stuff. Yeah. I, I have gotten calls from guys who, you know, I, I landed at DFW and uh, I was watching out the window. I was like dang what are we ever going to get to the ground and literally it was lights runway touchdown i mean minute it was low before i got off the airplane ding hey man i'm 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 back in i was like i've been around here a long time the weather seven miles away is not that much different i yeah. looked and you know it was 300 foot ceilings i'm yeah wow we need to have a conversation about that kind of stuff like you know i go back to the what are you going to do when that engine when yeah. that prop stops how do you handle that when you have like maybe going back to your instructor days when you have that student that's kind of reckless or you know if, if it is a case where you know relying way too much on new modern stuff and i uh, don't worry about gpls on handle blah blah blah. so kind of careless sort of a deal how do you handle that because i go i go back to my instructor who told me a story of a guy who would, you know, would take things down, take the plane down to minimums all the time, uh, doing stuff like that. And he did exactly, I think I re- referred to that earlier on, was he just, he took the guy out one day and they were doing, he had him under the hood and he said, keep your hood on and pull the power back and took him down to 300 foot over a field, took him down. Actually, he was over trees. He took him down over trees to 300 foot AGL. Said, okay, take your hood off. The guy took his hood off. It, it, it totally startling. He says, oh, don't touch the power. Where are we going to go here? Where are we going? So the, the guy didn't like him very much after that, yeah. but I think he made his point. Ooh. You know, sure. Just, you know, that, 
that's just the way it is. That that can happen. Absolutely. And it's you know it's a scary thing. Um, there's always risk involved in flight. We yeah. know it when we start. You just train to, and it's the guys who want to be better at it. The rest of the guys are just lucky, and they don't, uh, yeah. you know, if, if they make it all the way through their career, they were just lucky. Right. You know. But, wow. Yeah. All right. This is the official wrap-up that we typically do. Go ahead and just write your name and the date across here. We're going to rip it and stick it on your water bottle, and it will join the shelf <laughs> of infamy. Thank you so much for being on the show. We no, do thank kind you. of a... Kind of a traditional final clink of the glasses. Until next time, that is a wrap.